And when they had heard, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He first called him Master, but then he called him Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the drought or the catch of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John the son of Zebedee which were partakers with Simon or partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. For emphasis sake, verse 6 again. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net break. You may be seated in the presence of almighty God. I want to conclude the subject. And when they had done this. And when they had done this. Brother Johnson, we told the church on last week that first of all, these disciples, these lovers of God, these seekers of truth, they first, Sister Jones, had a feverish desire. Verses 1 through 3, they had a feverish, Tony, desire to be with Jesus. Uh, the Bible says, Marcus, that they pressed upon him. The word press indicates that there was a hunger, a feverish desire to be where Jesus was. But I told you last week, Marcus, they were not coming to Jesus just because of the miracles. They were not coming, Brother Johnson, because their baby needed a new pair of sandals. Uh, they were not coming just because they needed a little milk and a little bread on the table. But the Bible indicates that they came to Jesus because they were thirsty for a word from the Lord. I wish I had some witnesses in here. I'm trying to remind you, as I did last week, that your motivation for coming to church should not be because you need another blessing. Your motivation for coming to church should not be because you need a new pair of clothes or a new pair of shoes. Your motivation should not be because your bills are high and your money is low or you got a, a note about to lose your car or your home. Your motivation to come to the Lord's house, to come to see Peter, come to the church of Christ, to come to hear a word from the Lord. And so the Bible says that when they came to Jesus, 
he didn't fail him. <laughs> How many of us have trusted some folk in life? How many of us have trusted some things in life? How many of us has trust some processes in life? How many of us have trusted some jobs and some careers in life, but when the time got hard, they dropped you like a hot potato? Come into your job thinking everything's all right, and they let you work a whole day and then call you in the office and give you a pink slip like you ain't nobody. But the Bible said they came to Jesus forward. But the Bible said he did not fail him because the Bible said he sat down in the ship and he gave them a word. I wish I had just two Christians today who have come here today to get a word from the Lord. Who are not here because of his power, not here because of his miracles, not here because he died and got up, but because they know he has a right now ready word to speak to whatever your situation is. He has a word for your hunger. He has a word for your thirst. He has a word for your pain. He has a word for your sickness. He has a, I wish I had some help. He has a healing word for your helpless situation. When you come to God, I come to tell you, he will never fail you. But not only did they have a feverish desire, but in verses four and five, we understand they had an unfaltering faith. I said they had an unfaltering faith. How many of us know that sometime life will come to a place or you'll come to a place in life where your faith begin to shake a little bit. There's some things that will rock your world. There's some things that'll make you question the presence of God. There's some things that'll make you question your relationship to God. There's some things that'll try your obedience with God. But the Bible says that they had no unfaltering faith. There will come a time that you're going to be challenged to whether you trust in yourself or whether you trust in God. Some of us get to a place of education where we think we know more than God. But notice in the text, the Bible says that they were fishermen. They were skilled, Tony. They were skilled and knowledgeable in their profession, Jarrell. They knew when to fish. They knew where to fish, and they knew how to fish. They were familiar with their equipment. They understood that you just couldn't put away dirty nets, that nets had to be treated properly. They had to be cleaned and washed and then dried before they're put up. So these men were professionals. They were skilled in their profession. They had faith. Uh, cause they, they, their faith caused them to deny themselves. It caused them to deny their own knowledge. It caused them to deny their own experience. Their faith caused them to trust in Jesus. There comes a time when you gotta make a conscious decision to obey Jesus. Am I talking to anybody in here? I say there comes a time when you gotta make a conscious decision whether you gonna trust what you think you know or whether you gonna trust what you don't know but who you know see there's some things that comes in our life that we just don't understand I don't understand how a black cow 
cow can eat green grass and give white milk and yellow butter but I don't have to understand the what I know the who and when you know the who the what does not matter the how does not matter the when does not matter the only thing that matters is that I know him because he's proven himself He's proven himself. And so that's why they had an unfaltering faith. But then in verse 6 through 10, we see that Jesus gave them favor because of their faith. Don't miss the process. Don't miss the correlation. Don't miss the formula. He gave them favor after he saw their faith. Let me say that again. He gave them favor after he saw their faith. Notice, you have to have an obedient will. I said you have to have an obedient will. I come to tell you that obedience will always pay off. Sierra, did you hear what I said? I said obedience will always pay off. You see, without Jesus, there is nothing. But with Jesus, we receive blessings beyond measure. Why don't you say amen, Terry? I said without Jesus, we have nothing. But with Jesus, we receive blessings beyond measure. How do I know that? It's right there in the text. I need to tell you a miracle. There's a miracle in every blessing. I said there's a miracle in every blessing. Why is that? Because when we understand the blessings of God, we understand that it's a situation where God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You don't know when to shout it here. I said that's why there's a miracle in every blessing, Hollis, because in the blessing is where we see that God does for us what we could not do for ourselves. Look at the text. There was a miracle in this blessing. How do you know, Miles? Because the Bible says in verse number six that they caught a great multitude of fish, but they caught it with a broken net. You ain't getting it. You ain't getting it. I said they caught a great multitude. They didn't catch just one fish, but they caught a, uh, they caught a multitude of fish, but they caught it with a broken net. You still ain't getting it yet. I want you to understand you don't catch fish with broken nets. Am I right about it? Am I the only one saying the blessing in here? You can't catch fish with a broken net. But I told you, when you have faith, it ain't the what, it ain't the when, it's not the where, it's not the how, 
but it's the who. We serve a God who can take your brokenness and make you whole. He can feed you in your brokenness. He can heal you in your brokenness. He can restore you in your brokenness. He can revive you in your brokenness. He can renew you in your brokenness. We serve a God if you just allow him to take what you got and use what you got, he'll give you what you can't get by yourself. Preach my house. I think I will. I said there's a blessing in every miracle, in every blessing. See, not only does God provide, I said not only does he provide, I said not only does he provide, Joe, but the text shows us that when you allow God to use you, when you bring your brokenness to God and allow him to use you as an instrument, not only will he provide, Jarrell, but the Bible says that he'll fool around and bless folk that's close to you. Y'all don't know when to shout. Uh, Sister Joan, let me preach to you a little bit. I said what he'll do is when you allow him to take your brokenness, when you allow him to use you just as you are, he will fool around and bless folk that's close to you. They'll get a blessing just like you. There's a word here. That's used in the Greek text. The word here is partners. The Bible said that Simon called out to his partners. This word in the Greek literally means sharing in or sharers. What you want to understand is when we see people as baptized repentant believers as Christians in the church of Christ when we submit ourselves to God he'll take us and use us in such a way that it'll bless other folk and we'll become sharers of the blessing you don't know when to shout what he will do is take you and do for others that you couldn't even do for yourself we will not have enough seats in this place. We'll have to go to two services in order to service our people when we start to realize that all we got to do is give God all that we got and he'll do a mighty work through us that we could not do on our own. Oh, Jesus. We become sharers in the blessings of God. But then Peter said something. Watch this. In verse number 8, Peter said... Depart from me, Lord. Y'all see that? But in verse 5, he called him master. In verse 5, Peter knew that he was somebody of superiority. The word master there in the Greek text literally refers to someone who is of a superior status. But then when it got to verse number eight, Peter knew him for his true identity. And he called him Lord. I want you to ask yourself your question. What is your relationship with Jesus right now? What is Jesus in your Spiritual Rolodex. What title is he listed under? Do you simply know him as a great master? 
or has he truly become your Lord? Notice Peter didn't call him Lord to after he had experienced a covenant, intimate, submissive relationship with Jesus. You ain't got the right to call him Lord if you have not submitted your will to his will. You ain't got the right to call him Lord unless you have trusted him beyond your brokenness. If you're not turning to Jesus in your broken condition, you ain't got a right to cry out and call him Lord. Oh, Jesus. But then there's something else. I'm almost done. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. The Bible says something careful, something critical here. He says in verse number 10, he says, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which also known as sons of thunder, which were partners with Simon. And watch this. Jesus said unto them, unto Simon, fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. Let me hear you say catch men. The word catch comes from the Greek word. The Zogu Rayo. The Zogu Rayo. And it literally means, watch this now, it means to catch alive. It means not only to catch alive, watch this, Brother Johnson, but it means to capture for life. Don't miss it now. The fish they caught for years, the fish that they were skillful in catching for years were to be killed and devoured by man. Let me let that sink in. I said the fish that these professional fishermen had been catching for years were intended to be devoured and killed by men. But now, let me hear you say but now. But now they would catch men in order to give them life. Oh, you missed your shout. I said they were catching fish to kill them. But Jesus says, I'm going to use you to not catch to kill. But I'm going to use you to catch and give life. I need to talk to some high-minded, sadiddy, self-righteous, Knows in the air Christians who done got your walk together. You don't no longer hang in nightclubs. You don't no longer drink whiskey. You ain't no longer jumping from bed to bed. But you got nerve to look down on somebody else. I need to remind you that we serve a God who is able to save us and change us from being killers to being catchers. Catchers for life. You ain't got no business every time open your mouth condemning and killing folk. You ought to be catching folk to give them life. Oh, praise God. But then, then finally, finally, I'm almost done. Then the Bible says, 
Something interesting in verse number 11. The Bible says they continued to follow Jesus. But before they continued to follow, watch the process. The Bible said, number one, before they followed, the Bible said they forsook all. Is that in your Bible? They forsook all. The word here is aphiami. Aphiami is the Greek word for forsook. The Bible says that it means to send away. It means to leave alone. It means to let go. It means to release. What are you saying, Peter? All Jesus is trying to get you to understand is that before you can follow him, there's some people that you need to leave alone. Before you can follow Jesus, I'm closing now. Before you can follow Jesus, there's some places that you need to leave alone. Before you can follow Jesus, there's some things, I wish I had some help, that you gotta leave alone. There's some folk that you gotta let go. There's some stuff you gotta release. You can't do one without the other. It ain't no way in the world you can follow Jesus without releasing the world. Am I right about it? I know I'm preaching you ain't got to say amen but the Bible said they didn't just release the Bible said they didn't just let go but the Bible said they forsook all the Greek word here for all is pos pos and it literally means the whole of it all of it the complete thing what are you saying before you can follow Jesus you're gonna have to let go of sin as the ruler of your life am I right about it you're gonna have to learn how to put Jesus before your job you gotta learn it's in the text don't look at me funny it's in the text you gotta learn how to put Jesus before your family you gotta learn how to put Jesus I'm telling you before you follow God you gotta learn how to put Jesus before your education before your experience before your knowledge before your career before your retirement plan how do you know her? Because the Bible says they were fishermen by profession. They have been doing it a long time. It was important to them because they knew how to handle their materials. It was important to them because they cleaned their nets before they put them up like good fishermen would do. But the Bible says that when they saw Jesus and experienced the working in their life, there was something about the miracle that made them understand the master. There was something about the miracle that turned the Messiah, the master into the Messiah in their own understanding. And so the Bible said uh, they followed 
Jesus. The word here literally means that they accompanied Jesus. The word means that they attended to Jesus' will. I come to tell you, you cannot do a great work unless you are committed to the will of Jesus. You can't do what Jesus wants you to do if you're not following Jesus and you're sure not going to follow him if you don't first release the world. Following what, Brother Miles? What did they follow in? Look at the text. Look at the text. It'll show you in verse 12 that he went on doing the Father's will. So if you're really going to call yourself a Christian, you got to be busy doing the Father's will. And I come to tell you, mountains can be moved with faith when you got faith in God, the Bible record is clear that folk that had great faith did some great things. Am I right about it? For they walked by faith and not by, okay, some of y'all looking at me funny. Let me read the resumes. Abraham was once able, but by faith he became Abraham and became the father of the faithful in all nations. Enoch, he lived, but he never saw death because he had faith that translated him. Noah was a man of faith, and by faith Noah Build a giant boat in the middle of the desert with no water around. The folk that looked at him by sight thought he was crazy. But folk who had faith knew that he was doing the work of the Lord. Sarah, by faith, became pregnant when she was 90 years old. Isaac, by faith, blessed Jacob. Joseph, by faith, went from the pit to the palace. Moses, by faith, crossed the dry red seabed. By faith, the walls of Jericho came stumbling down. By faith, Rahab, the lady of the night, became the dark night and saved the spies of God all because of faith. Today we are here alive and well serving him by faith. And I come to tell you it's faith that will save us from this untoward generation. And it's only faith that will cause us to do the faithful work of the Lord. The Bible said in verse 6, and when they had done this, they received a great miracle of a blessing in their life. What did they do, Brother Miles? They demonstrated unfaltering faith in Almighty God. Now, the question you have to ask yourself now is where is my faith? Is it in me? Is it in my work? Is it in my career? Is it in my family? Is it in my education? Well, let me help you understand how to answer that. You don't, under, you, don't, you don't answer it by words. You look at your deeds. And your deeds will tell you where your faith is. Your behavior tells you where your faith is. Oh, my goodness. The Bible says where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. 
See, what you put your time, talent, and treasure in is where your faith is. You can't get away from that. No matter how pretty you seem, no matter how poised you look, no matter how often you come to the altar, talk is cheap. God knows us by our faith. And the Bible is clear. It said, when those who are true seekers of God surrender even in our brokenness, surrender to God, he will take us in our brokenness and work a miracle in our life. And that miracle should provoke us to want to follow Jesus for the rest of our lives. What will you do this morning? Will you shake another fist of rebellion in the face of God and say no to Jesus and leave here today and go back to your same old ritual? No Sunday school, no Bible class, no faithfully communing, no faithfully singing, no faithful giving, no working in any ministry. What are you going to do? Are you going to go back to the norm? Or are you going to rededicate your life to the Lord? Now, don't, it don't make no, it, listen, listen, I'm telling you, God is intelligent. Let me just help us understand something. Can I remind us something? God is intelligent. See, crying and sobbing don't mean nothing to God. He's going to look at your heart. And he's going to know your heart by your work. You've got to change your mind before your behavior will change. And the miracle of God, the blessings of God in your life is designed to make us to become closer to the Lord and do what the disciples did and forsake all others and follow Jesus. Because he will not. He will not be second. He won't do it. He's not going to play second fiddle. I told you he's not going to be that side chick. No, he ain't going to do that. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know that there's a lot of benefits for the side chick. Don't act brand new. I know that. I wasn't born in Jesus' hand. But what I want you to understand, that anybody who's been a professional side piece for a long time, they already know the game. And, and see, the reason they're professional, because they got the experience. They already know there's certain things, Joe, they ain't going to get. Okay, Joe looked like he was scared. Let me go over here. Let me talk. <laughs> Joe was looking like, Brother Miles, would you move on somewhere? Would you just? Okay, let me talk to somebody. Let, let me talk. Fabian. Oh. (laughs) 
All right, let me just go and close. I think y'all got it. I think y'all. I think y'all got it. I think y'all got it. You know. You know, Sister Jones and I have had some serious conversations. We've had some had some serious conversations. And, and and one thing I told Sister Jones, y'all know, brother. Now I'm gonna keep it real. Jalen, you know, I'm gonna keep it real. One thing I, I I've said is that I'm not gonna be second. We have to learn that true love gives the greatest sacrifice. And what God wants is to be number one in your life. He's made it clear he is not going to be second. So who's wasting their time? Now, I'm, look, I'm closing, I promise, but I wanted you to get this. Who's really wasting their time? Anybody ever been in a relationship? Now, don't raise your hand. And don't call out their name. And don't call them or text them and cuss them out after today. <laughs> Has anybody ever been in, don't say nothing, just think about it. Have anybody ever been in a real relationship where you were giving your all? I mean, you were giving your all. You, I mean, you were so far gone. You, I mean, you weren't trying to protect yourself. You were loving for real and openly just like God. You were putting it all in. But that no good scoundrel. But loving you like you were loving them. They weren't even close to your level. But they played with your heart. They played with you. How did you feel? How did you feel? Used. Played. They wasted your time. You remember how you felt. Then I want you to transfer to the spiritual. Who is wasting their time? Not God. Because the Bible says a thousand years is but it's like one day to God. So you ain't even lived a day in God's life because you ain't going to make a thousand years. Most of us ain't going to make a hundred. Most of y'all ain't going to make a hundred. All I'm trying to get you to see is really where you are in this game. If there's going to be a real relationship, or if there's going to be a relationship, it has to be a real relationship. Because if not, all I'm trying to get you to see, CP, is if it's not a real relationship where you have submitted your will to God's will, you're really wasting your time. And now I understand, Brother Johnson, why old preachers used to say, why go to hell the hard way? I understand more Tony now ever in my life why preachers say, Brother Elliot, why go to hell a hard way? If you're going to go to hell, why don't you go on out there and enjoy yourself? What good will it do you to waste your time playing with God and then go to hell? What are you going to do? And when they had done this, what did they do? They surrendered their will to God's will. And when they did that, the Bible shows us that not only were they blessed, even in hardships time, the net broke. But they got so many fish that not only did Simon's boat begin to sink, but when he called his partners, 
They both began to sing. But they caught it on a broken net. That's the power of God. Some of us are where we are today only by the power of God. So what are you going to do? Stand on your feet. If you need to be saved from your sins and need to become a member of the Lord's church,